up on the best of any live. Sun Earth Day 2010 Magnetic Storm. Let's listen to Troy Klein talk about Sun Earth Day. So Troy, uh, let's take us through the whole process. Sun Earth Day has been around a long time. It has. So when did it first start? We actually started Sun Earth Day 10 years ago, and uh, we had scientists that came to us from several heliophysics missions, and they said, we'd like to have one day a year that we can really celebrate space weather and the sun. You're, you're, you're pretty excited about the sun, aren't you there, Troy? I really am. <laughs> I had no idea when I first started 10 years ago that there would be this much fun, and we've had a blast. And, and what is that website to access Sun Earth Day and all the education activities? It's uh, easy, sunearthday.nasa.gov. That's pretty easy to remember. In fact, we'll have it, we'll put it on our screen throughout the show Good. so that you can write it down and actually uh, go to the website now while we're watching uh, the show. Absolutely. That's and you, you talked about we're going to have experts on the show. Right. Did you include Boyer as an expert? or? Yeah, you know, we uh, have our magnetosphere expert and uh, our solar Blair expert, I might add. I have solar hair color. Oh, there we go. That's why we chose you, right? Keeping it real. You know, I have to say, we did one of your NASA Edge shows together, uh, what, about a year ago? And you yeah. did one of our Space Weather Action Center reports. Welcome to the Space Weather Action Center with Blair Heatmiser Allen, the creator of Magnetosphere. Even as a child, the NASA Edge co-host recognized his unique relationship with the sun. Years later, Blair restored his relationship with the Yellow Dwarf Star and began to use its power for good. And just to report to the crowd, today, as I understand it, according to all my research, we are broadcasting magnetosphere free. Oh, wow. uh, oh, so very the good. forecast today, very minimal magnetosphere. If you're having a problem seeing this podcast, it's not due to the sun. <laughs> <laughs> and if there is, if you do see any static, actually you can go to the Sun Earth Day website and click on the Space Weather Media Viewer because there you can actually watch near real-time images of the sun at any time of the day or night, 24 hours a day. But what do you get the star that has everything already? Where do you where do you get the star? Like it's just like if we're celebrating the Sun Earth Day, it's like a birthday. That's and right. Sun's hard to shop for. Oh, you know you're abs you're absolutely right. We like to give it satellites and beautiful images in HD quality. The sun really likes that. And, and the great thing about Sun Earth Day is you've evolved over the last eight ten years. And in a mistake, now correct me if I'm wrong, but now you're using social media involved in, in Sun Earth Day, and you've actually been a, you're an expert now at these bubble tweets that we've oh, been yeah. seeing you doing on uh, on Twitter. What's in the future for Sun Earth Day? You know, uh, we have Solar Max coming up. We hope somewhere around, we were thinking 2012, we had about two years where the sun was really kind of quiet. And so now we're thinking the Solar Max may happen a little bit after 2012. So stay tuned for that information. Uh, let's check in on Franklin before we, we go to a break, if that's okay. Oh, sure. Not a problem. Yeah. Hey, Franklin, you out there? Yes, I am. Hey, I am here with uh, Jim from uh, NASA Goddard. And he is involved with heliophysics? That's correct, yeah. I'm involved with heliophysics education. And what does NASA have for teachers attending the NSTA here uh, in Philadelphia? Well, there's a lot of handouts that people come for, and in particular we have this webcast today. That's another good thing that's coming up. And today is Sun Earth Day, so uh, great day for the spring equinox and uh, celebrating heliophysics education. Cool. Th thanks, Franklin. Hey, we'll be right back. You're watching NASA Edge. An inside and outside look at all things NASA. On deck is Holly Gilbert, solar physicist from NASA Goddard, and is the co-host at Average Star. So space weather all starts at the sun, and um, the sun really generates 
these magnetic storms and um, space weather because it's a big ball of plasma and it's moving around and when plasma moves around it generates magnetic fields. Sometimes they interact and react and, and create explosive energetic um, storms. Um, they're composed of uh, flares and coronal mass ejections and we call these the magnetic storms. CMEs. CMEs, yes, yeah. exactly. When you talk about magnetic storms, how is that different, let's say, from hurricanes or tornadoes in terms of the, the energy produced? Well, I mean, they're actually, they're extremely energetic, extremely energetic. So, for instance, a solar flare is at like 15 million degrees, and that's when these magnetic field lines get, they interact, and they kind of explode, really, and create a bunch of energy, thermal energy, so heat and magnetic energy. And then the coronal mass ejections are the magnetic fields and huge amounts of mass um, blowing away from the sun. So it's... This is what we call space weather, the stuff that is actually coming um, through space, and sometimes it hits the Earth. You may or may not know, I have somewhat of a history with Space Weather Action Center, and so I'm, re I'm really interested in predicting this. Now, how good are we now, at, as NASA and other folks, at predicting these solar events? So, we are getting much better. We, we are not at the point where we can actually predict when they're going to happen, but we're starting to understand more of the fundamental physics behind these, these energetic storms. And sometimes they blow away, you know, away from the Earth, so we, it's, it's a very complicated system. We have to know where on the sun they're going to originate, oftentimes near sunspots. We also need to understand how it interacts with the solar wind, which is always emanating from the sun, and how it's going to get intertwined with the solar wind, and then if it's going to hit the Earth. So there's a bunch of, of factors that go into being able to predict. With the new observatories out in space and, um, you know, better observations, better models, we're, we're able to, um, you know, we're getting better at, at being able to predict. It, it's an interesting dynamic star, and for instance, we just went through this very, very long period of, of solar minimum, which we weren't expecting it to last as long as it did. So we're still trying to figure out, you know, the different cycles and, and how they're going to impact us. And so we don't fully understand everything, but we are getting, we're getting much closer. Right now, it's about middle-aged, so it's kind of happily middle-aged right now. But um, yeah, it will eventually oh. die. It'll burn through all its fuel. Wait a minute. Did you say the sun's middle age? Yeah. Well, what happens if it goes through a midlife crisis? Not unlike I'm going through right now. And then our sun is just an average star yes. compared to other stars in the, in the solar system. No, that's not nice. It's not call. bad to be average. I mean, <laughs> but it's an important. We have the best. Important we have the best stars. sun around. We have the best sun in our solar system. That's true. Yeah, that can't can't debate that. That's true. <laughs> You know, I'm uh, rolling around the floor here at the NSTA convention, and uh, I came across uh, Vicki Baker from Overbrook High School. She's here as a robotics coach for her students who are actually here uh, at the convention. Uh, Vicki, what does it mean to have your students actually come out and experience the NSTA? It's really important. It's exciting for my students who participate in Best Robotics to see all kinds of science equipment, to talk to people, and in fact they're here and they're able to talk with people about what they've done, so it broadens what they know, and it helps them to see the possibilities of all the things they're doing at school. And just for the record, I'm not going through any kind of midlife crisis in any way, shape, or form. Well, up next is Elaine Lewis, Education Specialist at NASA Goddard. And she's not going through any kind of midlife crisis either. In fact, I think she's just going to focus on some magnetic activities. Met uh, a couple teachers yesterday, just grabbed them in off the floor to work with us on an activity and discovered one of them has been doing Space Weather Action Center for two years. I had no idea. No doubt really they were exciting. inspired by, by my Space Weather Action Centers of a few oh, years ago. I'm sure they were. Die, cool star! That's 
because magnetosference, my key word, is really gaining popularity and momentum among the scientific and educational communities. Oh, okay. I'll tell the scientists that. <laughs> hey, and, 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 hey, to actually back him up, because I rarely back him up, but I am in this, in this particular uh, instance, when he coined the term magnetosference, he actually had a professor from the University of Washington use it in her classroom, in her uh, physics classes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, we did not check her credentials, so, but, but, but I'm fairly confident that's a good institution, and uh, it's getting some good use out there. There's been a lot of education activities in the past. Oh, yeah. And, of course, you can go to, uh, to the Sun Earth Day website to, to download all the different activities that you've developed over the past 10, 10 years, 10-plus 10 years. They just go to the educator section. There's all kinds of activities, and we have them connected to standards, and they're set up in different grade levels as well. And in fact, today we have a treat. We went through a, a, a pretty cool activity using a magna probe and a cow magnet. But the great thing about these education activities for the all the students out there and the teachers watching, the great thing about these Sun Earth Day activities is that they're easy to produce in the classroom. It, it doesn't it doesn't cost a lot of money. A lot of it you can download from from the website, or if the materials you need to get, they're they're, they're pretty cheap. And Elaine, as we're looking at the B-roll, just take us through the activity and what's going on. I'm working from with two teachers from New Jersey, and you can see I've taped the cow magnet in the middle of a piece of paper, and I am tracing the lines. Um, I'm using the North Pole as the red, and I'm pointing in the direction of the north. Oh, and gotcha. we're forming our own little uh, magnetosphere. And now you can see the teachers took over. They were going to fill that entire sheet of paper with field lines. You can already see the early signs of the magnetosphere uh, uh, showing right, up there. right behind us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's just, like our, just like our posters here. But Yeah, and they okay. started to take it off the paper. You'll just see on this next one, she kind of drops off the paper. Oh, but see, that illustrates a good point because it continues. If you're out of paper, it's still happening. Yeah, that it's still happening. Yeah. I told them just to put dots there because their their little magnet is pointing straight up and down. That. Magnetosphere. Magnetosphere. Oh, man. That's okay. No, that's perfect. No, that's but, it. But, but in just a, a short amount of time, those two teachers learned how to do this activity in less than five minutes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was very quick. Very but you, quick. But it's also true that even when there's interference, you got to see and demonstrate how you have, if there's metal under the table, if the, the legs are there, you have to account for that. Of course, there could be other things at work uh, causing uh, problems for your little demonstration. What that could be. <laughs> well, I happened to find that cow magnet, and uh, I wanted to produce a little magnetosphere, so there you go. Yeah. yeah, but they caught you, didn't they? Yeah, in fact, I was sent to the principal's office for uh, the rest of the afternoon, so <laughs> that was probably good for any other demonstrations that we yeah. had. Yeah. Now, Elaine, when, when, uh, when a, a teacher wants to uh, get some activities uh, from your Sun Earth Day program, uh, they're going to go to your website. Our website has so many resources for teachers. They can see images, uh, tech through time that follows technology through history. Um, and in the educator section, we have all kinds of activities that they can just download and use in their classrooms. Once again, to download any education activity for Sun Earth Day, you can go to the Sun Earth Day site, which is yep. sunearthday.nasa.gov. It's loaded with a wealth of information. And uh, go, go there free. today. And free, free information, which is great.
Batting cleanup is Nikki Fox. Do you bat cleanup in cricket? I don't know. Let's just ask the deputy project scientist. I'm steering clear of sports, and I'll just focus on the sun. That's probably why we've had an extra long solar minimum, because you said it was an average star. No, I was defending it. I was saying that it wasn't an average star, that it's it's the best star we have in our solar system. Well, I think you better buy a Corvette or something so we can move to solar maximum. Off the top of your head, what's your favorite observatory? My favorite observatory hasn't been launched yet. It will be launched in 2012, and it's the Radiation Belt Storm Probes, and it is the coolest mission ever. I'm sorry, what was that again? The Radiation Belt Storm Probes. We We have two spacecraft that will be studying the Earth's radiation belts, the Van Allen belts, getting really up close and personal with our own radiation source and the, and the planet. Okay, so now is that the RBS? It's RBSP. Do we have an instrument called ECT? Yes, we do. <laughs> I was going to say RSBCT. Find out what it means to me. <laughs> RBSP ECT. Sock it to me. <laughs> well, it looks like the sun's going to be socking it to us with some great data with that. Yes, it will. Um, we have SDO launched uh, earlier this year, and they're taking really cool pictures of the sun, very, very high definition. And we will be um, very soon joining the constellation and sitting in our radiation regions, um, just waiting to see what happens. What exactly is this particular mission going to do? Well. The radiation belts are a very difficult place to live and work. Um, Most satellites that we have um, in in orbit, all the commercial satellites, actually can safe themselves when a lot of them turn off when they go through the radiation belts. Others, if there's big storms coming, will actually do something to protect themselves. But because we have research satellites, we can't um, turn them off. We have to sit through and and live through the worst possible storms. So, um, you know, that's what we're going to be out there. It's a little bit like the windsock at the airport. It's really, really, really good. you what the wind's doing right up until it blows away. Okay, well, we, we because we live in the atmosphere of the sun, the sun's outer atmosphere is continually streaming away and it bathes all the planets. So we live in the atmosphere of the sun. So if the sun has some kind of change on it, we will feel the effect. So if the sun sneezes, the earth will catch a cold. Wait, wait, you said sneezes? <laughs> That's so gross. I mean, it's... it's, But it's okay because we have a Kleenex of our own. It's called the magnetosphere, and it protects us. It stops all those germs coming in. So if it sneezes, the magnetosphere will be there to... From magnetic storms, which is the theme for Sun Earth Day 2010. Right, and that's how we tie this all in thematically. Yeah. Right. Very good. But it's also... Even though we have the magnetosphere that sort of protects us from this uh, solar sneeze, if you will, it's still a little gross. I mean, well, it can be, and actually, when you see these really big events coming up, then um, what what we, as I said, several of these spacecraft actually have to protect themselves to keep the germs away. Ah. It's a bit like a hand sanitizer. sanitizer. Yes, she brings her own props, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know if this is correct, but this is, isn't this the only visible way that we can see the interaction between the sun and the earth is through the auroras? It's a visible way we can see down here on earth, yes, without needing any kind of special equipment. You can look up in the sky and you can see the aurora, and when that's happening, you know there is a space weather event in progress. It's showing all the coupling between all the systems. The solar wind couples with the magnetosphere, couples with the ionosphere, and fuels the powers the aurora. I, t- I tell you what, for those of you who are out there uh, watching this uh, live show, if you ever get a chance to see an aurora, it's, it is an amazing stream of lights. We had a chance to go to Norway to, to cover a program, and just to see the, the northern lights and the green lights and the red lights in the sky was just truly breathtaking. Yeah, and it's also cool, if I may, because that's the real visible example of magnetosphereance, the word that you're helping me introduce to the scientific community. Oh, I am. I use it all the time, and yes. yes. Do, you, do you really use it all the time? Maybe not all the time. <laughs> well, some, 
of the time. Yes. But, and how have your colleagues responded to this word? Have, have they, and have you taken credit for it inappropriately? I never take credit for anything you do, Blair. Um, <laughs> particularly as if I say magnetospherence, they kind of go, huh? So I would always say, oh, Blair said that, not me. Uh, it looks like my, my chances of make, making it in the academic community have just took a turn for the worse. You're supposed to support me in this. I, I'm right behind you, right behind you. To download our latest video podcast or learn more about NASA Edge, just visit our website at www.nasa.gov slash NASA Edge. From there, go to the archive page to view our entire collection of video podcasts. You can also find NASA Edge on iTunes. Just visit the music store, type NASA Edge in the search window to visit our page. From there, you can download the podcast, subscribe for free, and even tell your friends on Facebook and Twitter. So download NASA Edge today. And get an inside and outside look at all things NASA. Let's see if Steel Hill will support the co-host as we take a look at three cool space weather satellites. Unfortunately, we won't be talking to Steel's twin brother, Aluminum. Be careful, folks. This is this is scary. <laughs> he does that all the time. This is actually Camilla's cousin. We don't have a name for uh, Camilla's cousin yet. But Camilla, who looks just like this, is the official mascot for SDO, or the Solar Dynamics Observatory. And what is really cool about this spacecraft and its uh, instruments is we're going to see the sun in super HD for the first time. We're talking 4,000 by 4,000 pixels, which is about 10 times your average HD TV. So the level of detail will be just phenomenal. So besides seeing the full sun with at, at that size, we can zoom in on a real small area where there might be a sunspot or a prominence or some solar activity and still have really crisp detail. So much better, four times better than SOHO, and twice, which is an, another solar mission, and twice the resolution of STEREO, which is a more recent solar mission. Now, I'm a little concerned about this because, uh, so I'm thinking about it, it's Sun Earth Day, obviously, and we're celebrating it, and uh, the sun's kind of a star, right? It is. But SDO is coming off like a really intense paparazzi-type situation with all these photographs. <laughs> I mean, you're like the TMZ uh, 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 for the sun. That's right. Now, we're going to send back, I don't know what it means anything, but 1.5 terabytes a day. But let me get tell you what that represents. That means a picture every second or so of the sun at 16 megabytes per picture. So you do the math. I don't know how many. Oh, don't ask me to do the math. <laughs> it amounts to about a half a million uh, iTunes a day. Now, you mentioned Stereo, which was another satellite. Actually, it's two satellites up there, right? That's right. What's really cool about Stereo is this 3D look of the sun because we have one ahead of Earth, one behind the Earth, pretty much on the Earth orbit, and they can see the sun from two perspectives. For a while, we could, they take actual 3D images of sun, and they're on the, on the stereo website. Now they're too far apart, but what's really cool is they're so far apart that we're seeing more and more of the sun. This one sees around the corner, so to speak. The other one sees around the corner. And in about a year, they'll be exactly opposed to each other, so we'll see the whole sun for the very first time with sort of our space weather warning system. We do tell satellite operators that, hey, we think there is a solar storm. We saw it uh, happen. We think it'll get here in about, let's say, a day and a half, sometimes two, sometimes three. And uh, sometimes they take uh, precautionary measures. So yeah, we're, we're sort of in that mode where we can at least provide some early warning system. Well, we're going to go to a break. And when we come back, it's going to be your turn to ask questions yes. to the subject matter experts. And uh, we'll be right back. You're watching NASA Edge. An inside and outside look at all things NASA. Let's wrap up the best of any live with a live Q&A session, Sun Earth Day 2010. Don't forget your Kleenex. Or your hand sanitizer. 
When the, the solar storm arrived at the Earth, it, it hit us very hard. We had absolutely fabulous aurora. But um, if, you, if you see an aurora in the sky, you have a current system flowing. That's what you do. You have particles flowing around, and that gives you a current. And when those currents are up there, they, they can interfere with currents down on Earth. They need to find somewhere to close. So they have to find something really good to close through. And let's see, a power grid. They've, got, they've even got the wires there, just, just conveniently there for them. So the currents flow through the wires of the power grid. Normally the electricity that comes into your home is an AC current. This is a big, dirty, great DC current. Comes down, smacks through the whole thing, causes wow. fires, all kinds of things, hot spots in transformers. Um, yeah, it really did do a lot of damage. So we have another question uh, asking, you know, this, the astronauts are on, on station, on the ISS, International Space Station. Are they protected from the solar storms? Um, yes, uh, they, they have. The, obviously, if you know a solar storm is coming, you don't want to have an astronaut outside um, the space station. So they go inside, and there are areas that are particularly well shielded, um, extra hand sanitizer um, to keep keep the radiation away from extra them. bottle. Extra bottle. Um, but yeah, that it's very very thick shielding, and it, they go inside, and they avoid going outside until the radiation's gone down. Yeah. And, it, and it brings. We make sure that we tell them when that's uh, we think that's coming. But still, it brings up a, a good point. You know, uh, as we adventure beyond low Earth orbit. You know, let's say 10, 20, 30 years down the road, let's say we go to Mars one day. Yeah. I mean, solar storms are going to be a huge part of uh, protect. We have to protect those astronauts as they venture off to, to Mars. Very much so. That's a it's a concern of NASA. It's just one reason why we have a lot of solar study missions, and uh, a very. Uh Smart people are working on shielding for astronauts for that kind of a trip. We'll have a solution in time. Hey, we have a question from Franklin uh, from the internet. Franklin? question came in is, how powerful is the typical solar flare? Is there, is there a typical solar flare? Oh, uh, good. If, if you wanted to know the amount of radiation coming from a solar flare, uh, yeah. Um, then if it took about two and a half, three minutes to boil a cup of water in your microwave, um, if you had a solar flare, you'd boil the Great Lakes in seconds. Like can, can you repeat that one more time? I certainly can. If it takes two and a half to three minutes to boil a cup of water in your microwave, you would boil away the Great Lakes in just a few seconds. Wow. That's pretty You powerful. don't mess with the solar flare. No. Now, before we end the, uh, the live show, uh, uh, you ever watch American Idol? Sure. Okay, you know the judges that are on American Idol? So we want you to be some to be the judges here. We have a little video clip we want to share with you. And as you know, Elaine and Troy, uh, they have the uh, the Space Weather Action Center reports okay. uh, that they provide, and they do a great job. And we get to see uh, videos from the kids delivering Space Weather Action Center reports. Mm -hmm. The co-host has developed one, and I want you to actually judge his performance. Minimal magnetospherence. You'll probably drop a call here and there, maybe from an in-law. You think about your SPF uh, with the intensity, you probably can subtract five from your sunscreen rating. Uh, pretty manageable stuff. Next picture. Oh, now we're getting somewhere. What up, B-Dog, you did your thing. <laughs> and in the words of Paula, good for you. Uh, there you go, Steele, what do you think? Uh, I gotta give him his props. He, he really did a lot of original things there. Uh, anybody that can, can think of magnetosphere and so uh, deserves another chance to come back. So this yeah. is kind of clarified on the content. Is there such a thing as a class five CME? It depends what what scale you're on, but 
I, I think there could be, yes. Okay. I, I think that looked good for yeah. a Class 5 CME. Yes. We'll buy I, that. Yeah, I did want to say he did blatantly use magnetosp magnetospherance without the use of a Kleenex, and that was a little worrying. A little worrying. Okay. <laughs> well, we want to thank you, Nikki, Steele, uh, Holly, Troy, and Elaine. And for all of you out there watching today, thank you for coming on. This is Sun Earth Day 2010. Hey, watch NASA Edge, an inside and outside look at all things NASA.